Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you stand in reverence of the Word of the Lord and turning your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, and we'll just kind of read here and there, starting with verse verse 4. And if you've got it, say, I've got it. Amen. That's a little bit of Iowanese. Amen. I am from Iowa. Please don't hold that against me. And before we read, I just want you to feel comfortable with me a little bit. Um, so if I if I start yelling, if I start hollering, I, um, uh, that's just because I'm excited. I'm not mad at you, okay? Uh, because I've had people that I've brought to church before, and uh, they weren't used to uh, a little bit of this Pentecostal style and I had a lady come up to me that I'd brought from our apartment complex and she said brother near you you don't you don't have to scream you don't have to yell and me being so kind and gentle I said I don't have to take a bath either but it feels good and she came to the service at the altar call at the end and God moved upon her heart. She, she asked God forgiveness and God forgave her and she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and she started hollering. I said, you ain't got to do all that. Amen. So we're going to have a good time in the Lord today. Amen. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say wait. wait. For the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Amen. Now skipping down to verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Say that includes here. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, everybody say Galilee. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. Then, everybody say then. We're after a then today, amen. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. See, where Jesus spoke the promise... And where the promise was fulfilled was two different places. So in between where God spoke the promise and where the promise would be fulfilled, the Bible said they returned from Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. 
skipping over if you would to chapter 2 and verse 1 I'll just kind of I didn't tell the media people this but I just want to read this and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I want to focus, if I could, upon the Scripture in verse 12 that it talked about them moving into Jerusalem and where they were, the promise was spoken, the promise was fulfilled, was a Sabbath day's journey. And I want to talk to you about the faith for forward. Faith for forward. If you would, would you just plug in one more time and ask that God would speak to us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord you to move upon this service and to move upon your word I pray allow the living word to preach the written word in this house I pray let there be an anointing upon me and the hearers as well but anoint me to articulate the revelation that you have for this house I pray let there be a flow of utterance let there be a flow of revelation that would start today that would but would not stop until you come and take us home father we pray that you would expand the perimeters of our faith to receive oh God and give us the faith I pray to move forward as only you can give and everybody said in Jesus name bump your neighbor say get ready we're moving forward amen and you may be seated if you so desire amen and amen and amen how many are ready for the word of the Lord Amen. Would you put your hands together if you're ready for the word of the Lord. Amen and amen. These disciples that Jesus was speaking to about the promise of the Father. These disciples had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They had walked some estimated 900 miles. And walking some estimated 900 miles, three and a half years, they had walked with him watching Jesus open the blinded eyes, watching him unstop the deaf ears, watching him cause the lame to leap to their feet, the disease to be healed, and those that were crippled to be made whole. They watched him as he did these works. But you've got to understand, these disciples were experiencing the single greatest glimpse of God's glory that mankind had ever known. This was not just the Jehovah of the Old Testament revealing himself in just certain glimpses, in certain ways, but this was the Jehovah of the Old Testament placing himself in a babe in a Bethlehem major. This was the same God of the old manifesting himself in the new the father became in flesh to reveal himself and not just certain glimpses of glory but the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in Christ now the fullness of God was being manifest in flesh as that father that deity revealed himself through the same flesh that you and I now dwell in they were living with 
Emmanuel, the Bible calls it, interpreted God with us. This was the reality that they'd become accustomed to. This was the reality that they were aware of. They knew him as Emmanuel, God with us. They rubbed shoulders with him. They walked down the same roads with him. They ate at the same tables. They walked with this God with us. They watched him open the blinded eyes, unstop the deaf ears, and watch him lift the lame to their feet. And this was the single greatest reality of God that mankind had ever known. And this is what they'd become accustomed to. But it came to a place after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ that they now find themselves on a mountaintop with him. And he's saying that I'm going to have to go away from you, but down in Jerusalem, just a little ways down an old goat path and through an eastern gate, just a little way down the hill and into an upper room, God is going to feel you. I'm going to come back as that comforter and you're going to receive the promise of the Father that you've heard of me down in Jerusalem. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, you're going to be endued with power from on high. He, What he was literally saying is, I know you've been experiencing a great reality walking with me, watching me open the blinded eyes, watching me unstop the deaf ears. But down the way and into Jerusalem, I'm going to let you experience an even greater reality of God. I'm not just going to be with you, God with you. I'm going to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going to be take what was in me and I'm going to put it in you. And it's not going to be just me opening the blinded eyes, but I'm going to put that same spirit in you. And what was in me, it's going to be in you. And what I did, he said, he that believeth on me and the works that I do, greater works than these shall you do. How many are thankful for that promise? Come on, would you clap for him if you're thankful for that promise? So he gives this promise of an even greater reality, not just Emmanuel, God with us, that we come and we feel his presence and we know he's there. Emmanuel can even speak with you, but still not be in you. You can experience God in certain realities that you can become accustomed to when you first come to him or he comes and finds you. At first, we become accustomed to Emmanuel, God with us, and we can come and to know him and feel his presence and hear his voice, but still that does not mean that he is Christ in you. So now he's giving them this promise that he's going to be taken away, but he's going to send that same spirit back. He's going to ascend to the throne, but he's going to send that same spirit that was in Christ and give it to us. But watch now. He says down in Jerusalem. See, where he spoke the promise and where the promise would be fulfilled was two different places because there is a journey between where he speaks a word and where he fulfills it. And the Bible said after they'd come all this way, being accustomed to Emmanuel, God with us, he said right down the hill into Jerusalem and into an upper room, I'm going to change how you know me. I'm going to give you an even greater reality that mankind has ever known. But there's going to be a journey because they had come all this way, but now they are standing closer than they'd ever been to the single greatest reality of God that mankind had ever known. The Bible says it was a Sabbath day's journey. 
A Sabbath day's journey, according to Jewish tradition, was just 2,000 steps. And it doesn't matter how big your steps are, it's just 2,000 steps. It's 2,000 steps, some estimated three-fourths of a mile, possibly 15, 20, 25-minute journey down into position for God to be able to fulfill his word and carry out his promise. They were, after three and a half years, after 900 miles, after all that they had been through now, they stand on a mountain closer than they'd ever been to the greatest reality of God, closer than they'd ever been to God fulfilling his promise and carrying out his word just 2,000 steps just 15 20 25 minutes just maybe possibly three-fourths of a mile they could literally where they stood look down and see the very upper room where they would sit and receive that very promise that's how close they were this Sabbath day journey 2,000 steps but this is the same 2,000 steps. We're going on a journey right now into the Word, so stay with me. 2000, the same 2,000 steps, the same Sabbath day's journey that was found in the book of Joshua, the Old Testament book of Acts, where Joshua got a word from God. God said to them, if you're going to go into the promised land, you've been wandering in the wilderness, you've been brought this far, it's time to go into the promised land and get in position for the promises of God where I can do what I promised I would do. He said, but if you're going to go into the promised land, he said, take the Ark of the Covenant, which was that vehicle to carry God's presence, kind of like the, the body of Christ was the vehicle then, or you know, in the New Testament, so was the Ark of the Covenant, this vehicle that would carry his presence. Here's what he said to him. He said, you take that Ark of the Covenant. I believe I gave it as a scripture, Joshua chapter 3 and verse 3. It said, you take that Ark of the Covenant and you put it out in front of the people and when you see that presence of God begin to move he said you get up from your place and go after it amen and they commanded the people and saying when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord that thing that represented relationship and covenant with the people of the, of the Lord your God the priests the Levite, Levites bearing it then you shall remove from your place and go after it See, that was different than the way they were accustomed to God operating with them because they operated what I like to call on a manna mentality. A manna mentality is, here's how God fed them in the wilderness. For 40 years, he brought manna to them. They got hungry, they went outside their front door and God had brought manna to them every morning. And then in the evening, God brought to them meat or quail. They didn't need a deer tag, they didn't need to go hunting. God brought quail from an east wind to them. Amen. So God, for 40 years, brought manna to them. That's what they got accustomed to. That was the reality of God that they were familiar with. God just brings it to me. And if I'm hungry for meat, God brings me quail. And the Bible even said that a rock followed them in the wilderness. So if they got thirsty, a rock followed them. So God brought it to them. So here's the reality of God that they had become accustomed to for 40 years. God brought it to them, manna to them, quail to them, water to them but he said if you're going to get into the promised land I'm going to have to change the way you think and the way that you operate so here's what we're going to do I want you to take the ark of the covenant go to the next verse 
and yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. It was the same 2,000 steps between the people in the wilderness going into the promised land, the same 2,000 steps as the disciples on that mountain and going into Jerusalem to receive the promise. It's the same 2,000 steps. But when they become accustomed to manna, God bringing it to them, he said, no, the journey's about you changing the way that you re- or, or, or operate with God and have a relationship with God. I know you've become accustomed to me bringing it to you, but I'm going to take that Ark of the Covenant. I'm going to put it out in front, and when you see it move, don't wait for it to come to you, but when you see it move, go after it. Remove from your place. Remove from what you're familiar with and what you're comfortable with. And he said, go after it. Somebody say, go after it. That's what the journey was about. God was trying to acclimate them for where they were going instead of keeping them in prison to where they've been. Even though it was a great reality of God in the past, manna was miraculous, but the the miraculous can come mundane when God has something greater. So the same 2,000 steps uh, is now in front of them and for them to get into the promised land, that promised land that flowed with milk and honey, that place uh, that had the houses already built, that place that had the vineyards already planted and the barns were already full because guess what? When they got into the promised land, if you didn't take the journey, you wouldn't get into the promised land. If they didn't go after it, they would have never got it because he's trying to acclimate you for where you're going because you can get in to the promised land and have grapes as big as your head, have barns full of weed and have vineyards already planted, houses already built and you can get into that promised land place and still starve to death because if you have a manna mentality in a promised land place, you will forfeit what God has made available. So I'm telling you, you could even be in this house surrounded by the miraculous, surrounded by an even greater reality of God that's beyond what you've grown up knowing about Him. He could even have something greater. But if you have a manna mentality from where you've been and you try to take it here to where God has you now, you can still starve to death. Because what happens, we get accustomed to a way that God operates with us. And he feeds us a certain way. He gives us just enough for today. Just enough for today. Just enough. Because that's all God could do. Because he brought them out of Egypt. Egypt was not enough. The wilderness was just enough. And he was using the manna to acclimate their faith. To shift it off of where they came from in Egypt. Saying, okay, just enough. In this daily dependence. And God gave them exactly what they need and nothing less. But now he's trying to take them for from just enough to more than enough but he's got to acclimate their thought process and their minds to be able to receive because you cannot receive more than enough so more than enough for you so you can start to feed somebody else where you can take what you have and take the barns full and because listen when they moved into into the promised land three and a half million people ate for one year off of the barns in the harvest that was already stored up 
That's not just abundance. That's super abundance. That's God saying, I don't want you to have just enough and just barely get by with your Christianity. I want you to have it to overflowing so that you have enough for your family. You have enough for a city. You have enough for a school. You have enough for a hospital. And you've got enough. But here's the thing. If you have a man of mentality of how you've always functioned with God, operating with God, but you try to take it into where you're going with a man of mentality in a promised land place, you will still starve to death. Because the Bible said the day that they ate of the fruit of that land, the manna ceased that day. So as long as we're waiting for God to bring it to us, that's why he put the ark out in front and gave them a Sabbath day journey. He said, no, before you get there, I've got to change your mentality. I've got to acclimate you for where you're going instead of where you've been so that you can get the most out of where I'm taking you. So now they get there. Oh, you're not hearing me right now. He said, I'm going to get you there so you can reap the full benefits. But it's not just going to be me bringing it to you and spoon feeding. No, 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 no. But what it's going to be, you're going to get in that promised land. You're going to need to learn how to take that seed that God's given you. Learn to take that word that pastors dished out and learn to take that seed of the word of God and learn to go out and plow that field yourself and learn how to plant that seed yourself and learn how to water it yourself and watch it come up a miraculous harvest so you will never know the true value of the word just when it's being handed to you like manna but when you take it and say pastor that's a good word I think I'll go take it out to the field and I'll plow that field I'll witness to my neighbor I'll share about baptism in Jesus name I'll share about the Holy Ghost with my friends he said that's what you've got to do not just wait for it to come to you but you've got to learn to plant it in the field yourself and that's when you can see it multiply and understand the value of the seed amen let's just stop and love the Lord right now thank you Jesus thank you Lord God that you've invested in us thank you for your word in Jesus name hallelujah 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 see now that's where the disciples are in the same exact position and posture. And they were, in the Old Testament, are examples. So now the disciples are on the mountaintop. Jesus gives them a word and gives them a promise that down in Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, all of a sudden Jesus is taken away in a cloud. The Jesus that they had fallen in love with. The interface in which they interacted with God in a greater reality than they have ever done. Now that same Jesus is taken away from them. And they're stuck gazing, lingering into the residue of a reality of God that had now passed. But that's where these disciples now were on this mountain. They were closer than they'd ever been. They were closer. It was right down a hill. They could have just looked down the hill and said, hey, that's the upper room right there. But the fact of the matter was they couldn't get there because they were stuck here. They were lingering in the, in the residue and the leftover of the reality of God that they'd always known. Then all of a sudden angels show up and they come to him. 
and give them the faith. We've got to break from here because we have a mentality. Where do we see him last? Instead of where is he going to show up next? But for us to break from here and what we've always known and what's always been comfortable to us, we've got to detach from being imprisoned by a powerful past. It's not drugs. It's not. No, no, no. It's just a powerful past. They watched him open the blinded eyes. They watched him unstop the deaf ears. No wonder they're stuck. Because it was a great past. They watched all kinds of stuff happen. The worship was extravagant. All the stuff that that other church did. All of a sudden, God sends an angel, a messenger, while they're being imprisoned by a powerful past, saying, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing? That same Jesus, the same way you saw him go, he's about to come back. He went, out of a, he went out in a cloud. He's about to come in a wind. Although that was great, there's greater waiting. But here's the challenge for us to break away from what was so that we can inherit what will be. Because that is great. But here's the thing. He opened the blinded eyes. He did. As long as Jesus in flesh was there, it was him doing it. One was doing it all. But he's trying to move us into a place where we can all do it. Where he says, that same spirit that was in me, it's about to be in you. And you're going to open the blind eyes. You're going to unstop the deaf ears. That same spirit that was in Christ. I don't want just one son. I want many sons of God they are led by the spirit of God they should be called the sons of God so they said ye men of Galilee and gave them what I believe to be the key to give them the faith to break rank away from what has always been and just turning your focus onto what will be and receiving all that God has the angels showed up and they said ye men of Galilee that may not be very significant to you the fact that they said that to them but it was significant to them because they did not address them by where they they were going or by name but the angels addressed them ye men of Galilee in other words if you can remember how far God's already brought you and all the journey that you'd already taken ye men of Galilee Galilee was where they were from And if God can get you to look back to where he brought you from and how far he's already brought you and what he's brought you out of and what he's brought you through and you look back beyond uh, the Red Sea, you look back beyond and see what he brought you out of, that should give you the faith to take a few more steps forward. You men of Galilee, God was trying to say to them, 
your past was never meant to be your prison whether it be good or whether it be bad it was never to be the end of you and it was never meant to be the the prison that would hold you away from everything that God has for you but your past was meant to be the push that you would need when you were stuck on a mountain closer to the promises of God than you've ever been he was saying to them hey God didn't bring you this far to let you die he didn't bring you this far to let you live outside of your promises he didn't bring you out of abuse he didn't bring you out of other religions and denominations for you to settle for less but just go down that hill knowing if God brought me this far he's not going to fail me now come on let's clap to Jesus everybody let's thank him for what he brought us out of He didn't let you go through it. He didn't let you go through it because he didn't love you. He let you go through it because he knew one day that all of these thousand years of God's providence would converge on this moment with you sitting here right now with a promise being available to you of the greatest reality of God today. He said, not because I don't love you, but because I knew you'd be here right now closer than you've ever been. And I put you through it or let you go through it because you would need something to cultivate faith and there's nothing like your past that can cultivate faith to move forward want to know why your past is so powerful think about King David when he's about to step onto the stage and he's about to face this giant you know the story he's about to face that giant and what happens all of a sudden he steps up takes a step forward towards what God has for him and the whole Israel camp is stuck and he knows as long as the people are stuck my destiny's on hold So he takes a step forward. A giant steps up. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dare defy the armies of the living God? And when David steps up, somebody else steps up. It's his elder brother that says, what are you doing here, David? You just come to see the show. He said, David, I know the pride and the naughtiness of your heart. You see what his elder brother just did? Reached into David's unbiblical, unknown past. And tried to use his past to stop him and keep him from his future. He was starting to move forward. But his brother and elder brother's spirit will always step up. When you start to get visionary and start to take steps forward towards prophetic fulfillment, there will always be a spirit that says, Hey, I know the pride and the naughtiness of your heart. And David said, wait a minute. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause why I went through what I went through? Is there not a cause why I'm here? And is there not a cause that I'm fighting for? Because he had an anointing that he would rule in the same Jerusalem that the disciples were on their way to. So he goes to King Saul. He said, forget you, brother. And he goes to, his, he goes to King Saul. And he goes when King Saul says, no, you can't go up against this giant. He said, you're just a youth. You're too young. You don't have enough experience. You don't have enough in your past to get you to move forward. And wait a minute. David said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Saul's like, that giant, he's been a man of war from his youth. And you're just a youth. 
You ain't got enough in your past to get you through to this, to get us unstuck. You ain't got enough in your past. But David said, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. My brother just reminded me of some stuff. And out of the same past, David pulls out the same thing. And he said, I know I may not seem like I fought a lot of battles and like I haven't been through much, but there's some things I've been fighting when nobody was looking, King Saul. He said, I've got a lion and I've got a bear. He pulled out the carcasses of pride. He pulled out the carcasses of naughtiness, a lion and a bear, and said, hey, God brought me through that and God will bring me through this. And you've got some carcasses of your own. You've had some struggles. You've had some fights. Pastor don't know it. Mom don't know it. Dad don't know it. But on the backside of a desert somewhere, you were fighting things that nobody knew about. But guess what David did? He took, thank you, thank you, brother, for reminding me of my struggles and the things God brought me through. Now I've got faith to move forward. Come on, let's just clap and love him together right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's what David did. He, he knocked down that giant, but guess what he did next? He took the sword out of Goliath's hand. Took the sword out of Goliath's hand and took his head off with it. They don't tell that in Sunday school. But watch now. You know what your, that sword is in your enemy's hand? It's your past. That's why past sometimes comes up and creeps up on us and still hurts. Because as long as your past is in your enemy's hand, it'll hurt. Take it out of his hand and say, yeah, God did bring me through that. I was an abusive home. I did have an alcoholic father. I did have to face some stuff that nobody knows about. But guess what? God brought me through it and I'm here right now. And that means I can move forward. Because you want to know why your past is so powerful in the enemy's hand? Let me just give you a breakdown. In Genesis, God created us from the dust of the earth. He reached down, grabbed some dust, and the dust of the earth, he breathed into it, the nost into its nostrils, the breath of life. Man became a living soul. Dust is where we came from. But after man fell in, garden, in the Garden of Eden, man fell, and God pronounced a curse on that serpent that tempted him and said, you're cursed above all the cattle and beasts of the field, and on your belly, shall you go the belly's how he operates and then he also said in that curse and dust shall ye eat all the days of your life the devil feeds on where you came from that's what gives him strength that's what gives him ability that's how he operates he feeds off of your failures in your past he, he feeds off of where you came from but guess what I think it might be time that we starve the devil I think we ought to say that's why the Bible says in Revelation. I'll go from Genesis to Revelations. Revelations, he says it like this. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. That's what God did for us, but by the word of our testimony. You want to know why we're overcomers? Because we overcome the enemy when we take our past out of his mouth and we put it in ours. 
So what you need to do, I know that you may have been hurt. I know people may have done you wrong and disappointed you, even in ministry. But what you've got to do is you're here now. So you've got to take that word of your testimony, take your past out of his mouth, and say, yes, I did go through that. Yes, it was painful. Yes, it was devastating. But I'm still here. And put that testimony in your mouth and say, if God brought me through that, I can make it through a giant. I can make it through anything. God didn't bring you here today just for you to sit in the same old realities that we have become accustomed with. Because guess what? Even though your past may be powerful, as long as you settle for that, the devil wins. And this is where I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to close up real quick, okay? That's why in Acts chapter 28, Paul, one of the greatest apostles, is on his way on a prison ship to his purpose. And he's sailing to Rome, which was his ultimate destiny. It was the finale of his ministry. And on the way to that greatest reality of God that God would ever do through Paul on his way, you know what happens. A storm rises up and crashes him and that ship into an island. And he makes shipwreck. But guess what? When he made shipwreck on that island called Malta or Melita, however you want to say it, when he made shipwreck, he made shipwreck closer to Rome than he had ever been. He'd come all this way through all that he'd come through to this moment. And now he's stuck on an island closer than he'd ever been. And the Bible says while it was still raining, they kindled a fire. In other words, he was making up his mind before the storm and things got better. Before the storm blew over, he was making up his mind, I'm not going to die here. Don't wait for things to get better before you make up your mind. Don't wait for things to make sense before you make up your mind. But he made a fire in the present rain. And in the present rain, he's getting some sticks some wood, probably some wood from that old ship that just wrecked and the brokenness of it, and he's fueling the fire. And as he's fueling that fire, because he's not going to die here, because he has a purpose that he's closer to than he's ever been, and he begins to fuel that fire. And what happens? All of a sudden, the Bible says, a snake came out of the fire and latched onto his hand and tried to take a bite out of where he came from because watch now he bites onto his hand that old serpent I believe it's the same serpent from the first garden that's now on this island with Paul coming out of the fire trying to get something going so we can make it the rest of the way and the serpent comes out and takes a bite and all of a sudden all the people they back up they say whoa whoa surely this man is a murderer and the fact of the matter was Paul had been a murderer That was who he was when God found him. He had a history. That was the thorn in his flesh when people would come to him and say, I know what you did. I know how you failed. You used to kill Christians and put them in prisons. And now that old serpent, when he's closer than he'd ever been to that promised place, that serpent tries to take a bite out of where he came from. Surely this man's a murderer. 
And guess what? This is the same hand. Let me help you real quick. If musicians, whoever plays piano, would you come and help me real quick? Here, let me help this church and those that are here. When that serpent came out and latched onto that hand, that same hand a little later, a few verses, is the same hand that is laid on a man that has a fever and a bloody flux. Can I tell you, the devil always attacks in the areas that you will be gifted. So however you have been attacked in whatever area of your life, that might just be the devil trying to tell you, I hope you don't figure out that you're going to be used this way. But when that, that serpent bites it, hey, Paul could have been, yeah, I guess you're right. I might as well just stay here on this island. We've got a fire. I mean, we've got some things going here. We've got some people. We have a little church here. And, but Paul, with that old viper, that, that viper, when he bit, it should have killed him. But Paul looked at it, thought about what they said. He's a murderer. And he looked back through everything that God brought him through. Said, yeah. And then he shook it off. What should have killed him, he shook it off and it became fuel to that same fire. Because he did something like this. I was a murderer. I was. But God didn't bring me this far for me to die now. God didn't bring this church this far to this place of a house that's already built in a place where the vineyards is already planted. He didn't bring you this far for you to settle for less than what's available. But now God sent me as a man of God to say to you, ye men of Galilee, he didn't bring you this far for you to settle for just this. So what we need to do as a church today, if we would, can we please stand? We've all faced things. I can't do what Jesus did. But he said, yes, yes you can. If that same spirit that was in him dwells in you. So what I've come to say, God didn't bring you this far to fail you. But the things that should have killed you, you're still here. So shake it off into the fire. Shake it off so you can move forward. That's where faith for forward is. Looking back at mom and dad and how they raised you and how they taught you. And yeah, that was good. That was great. But there's still... How many are ready for, to move forward? How many are ready to shake some things off and say, I'm tired of being stuck. I'm tired of living in the leftovers and residues of lesser realities when God, right down the hill. Now I've preached all this 15, 20, 25 minutes. How many are ready to take the journey? 
all God's asking is from where you're sitting right now is just take a few more steps up here to say God acknowledging God saying God you brought me this far not for me to leave sick you've brought me this far not for me to leave alone and depressed and confused about my calling but you brought me this far now when you step out of your seat you're acknowledging to God and nobody else you're saying I'm going to move forward because you didn't bring me this far to fail me would you come right now would you just come where from out of your seat and just step take a few more steps just a few more steps and throw your hands up in the air and just say God you didn't bring me this far to fail me come on come on come on everyone everyone come on and we're going to shake some things off today we're going to shake some things off we're going to shake off some old understandings that are limiting us we're going to shake off some man of mentalities because God wants to give us more come on somebody come on the Holy Ghost is here and if you don't have the Holy Ghost and you would like to receive it all you have to do just begin to ask God to forgive you forgive him forgive us for living on less come on He placed you in those homes. He placed you in those lives. Not because He didn't love you. But He knew that you'd be here today. That's it, life spring. That's it, life spring. Together would we press forward. Ye men of Galilee, press forward. That's it. Come on, I feel faith in this house. Somebody's starting to believe that I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. Why do you go back to what God called you out of?